Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the latest episode of the First to Ten podcast, brought to you by Blogs and the Boys, powered by SB Nation. As always, Tony Catalina, Aiden Davis here. And uh, before we get to our usual banter, this is going to be a good episode, man. We got John Machota from The Athletic going to join us here in the second segment. So um, we're, you know, it may be July, it may be Fourth of July weekend here, and there isn't a lot of football you know, really to speak of, but uh, we're, we're going to get to the bottom of it with John. Cause you know, there's been some things and some stuff floating around and uh, he's had a part of that. So I'm excited to get John on this week's episode. Yeah. And I'm super excited as well. And I mean, although we don't have any football right now, training camps, I think three weeks away, yeah. it's like the 24th is the start of training camp. So we're like, although three weeks might sound like a lot of time, it's going to be here in a flash. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff to talk about with John before, before we start diving into real football. Absolutely. And there are some teams, I believe, that rookies are going to report like July 18th or something like that. So we're two weeks away from rookies kind of locking in. So um, we just got to hang on a little bit longer, Aiden. I mean, we're going <laughs> to we're going to get there slowly but surely. But I think this episode is going to help us. It's going to help the people that listen. Um, I know John does amazing work. He was with the Dallas Morning News. Now he's with The Athletic. He um, He's been around this team a long time. So as far as you know, information gathering, talking to a guy who really has the pulse of this team. Um, we, we couldn't have picked one of the better guys here. So I'm, I'm really, really pumped up about this. Yeah, I think he's been with the team since 2010. So you're right. He knows he knows what he's talking about. He does. Um, if you haven't read his work, I highly recommend his work at The Athletic. But he also does a lot of appearances. He has his own um, show. So if any John Machota content, I highly recommend because the guy knows his stuff. So if you're if you're looking for Cowboys, Cowboys content, John's a guy. Absolutely. And you know, and we're gonna talk about this, but let's kind of jump right into what seems to be some of the conversation this week or leading up to this week was, you know, it was actually John Machota's article and we're going to ask him really, you know, we'll get down to the nitty gritty of what he was talking about, but for how it's been presented. C.D. Lamb could command between twenty-five to thirty million dollars a year annually on his contract. It's, you know, so that's that's a big number. I mean, that's we're talking about a different territory for wide receivers here. So I wanted to get your initial thoughts on that, Aiden. If that is the actual number, do you think it's warranted? Do you think that's right in the ballpark? What What is your thoughts? That's almost exactly what I was expecting the CD contract. And I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, so I'd be interested to know what number I threw out there when I was talking about it, but. I mean, if if you're still digesting the fact that the Amari Cooper $20 million was apparently not palatable to the Joneses, this is different. CD's, I mean, I know CD's younger, although not significantly younger than Amari because Amari joined the NFL, it seems like at age 16. He's not even that old <laughs> like right now. But anyway, CD, he still has a lot 
left, more left in the tank than Amari had. Clearly an emerging receiver. And all of the early reports coming out of the preliminary work that they were doing, the what OTAs with, it seems like Dak is speaking very highly of CD right now. And I mean, I know we've been, we predicted it last year, but I think we're going to see a, a whole nother level of CD this year. And if that's the case, you got to get this guy paid immediately, 25 to 30 million. I don't hate that number. That's about what an upper echelon receiver who's young has upside. That's what he's going to command now. Yeah. And so it's, it's interesting. And um, we'll ask John, we'll dive into it more here, but um it's funny to see, like, we got Trayvon Diggs. We got a possible Dak Prescott conversation. We got, you know, the C.D. Lamb situation. Michael Parsons is coming up. So it's we've had a lot of conversations ourselves, and I feel like Cowboys Nation has talked about who is going to get figured out first. It almost feels like wire to wire. It seemed like C.D. Lamb was going to be the first guy to get done here. And and I want to kind of parlay and ask this question. Is it important to you from a front office standpoint maybe not cd lamb standpoint but is it important for the cowboys to get out in front of this before justin jefferson shoe drops because that feels like that could change everything that's absolutely the big one and i know we've already touched on this before but you have to get that contract done before justin jefferson because i mean when you look at a guy like justin cd's great and i love cd and i truly do think he's easily topped a top 10 receiver in this nfl you can have your argument about a little bit higher than that but justin jefferson i mean He's the Patrick Mahomes of the wide receiver group in terms of his age, in terms of what he's already done, in terms of what he's projected to do. Like when the Justin Jefferson contract comes out, I think it's going to be north of 30 million. I think we're talking about 31, 32. I mean, that's just like he's one of the best players in football right now, regardless of position. And so CD, I you don't want to be competing with that number. And I know like CD's agents, they'll recognize, yeah, we might not be on Justin Jefferson's level, but that's not going to prevent them from negotiating to Justin Jefferson's level. Absolutely. It's interesting. I mean, CD has definitely earned it, you know, on the field, he's gone out there with massive expectations and he's exceeded that. Right. I think there were questions about the leap two years ago that they felt like he didn't take this massive leap. But last year, I mean, he, he quieted everything. We got top 10 conversations. We got guys putting him in a spot where he could be one of those guys in the league that you talk about. I mean, we're talking about Justin Jefferson. We're talking about Jamar Chase. C.D. Lamb is in that conversation with A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. So um, he's earned this. He's earned that. And I think, and he did all that, mind you, not to, you know, to beat, you know, a dead horse here, an old topic, but Noah Brown, guys that just, you know, Jalen Tolbert, there were guys that just weren't there to really help him and injured Michael Gallup. You bring a Brandon Cooks in, this is going to help C.D. Lamb. And you can also throw in the fact that how many games of CD's career has he played without Dak Prescott? I'd like, is it almost half at this point? Like he played six games yeah. last year. He played I, all of 2022. essentially. like, he got six games with Dak that year, but then he missed Dak for all. Like you're talking about a court. Like he has not gotten to, I'd say it's, it's less than half, but it is, he's a, a lot of his career and a lot of his production has been without Dak. And so when you're talking about another season where you get a fully healthy Dak, CD's able to gain that connection with him. Hopefully next year, Dak's able to stay healthy for a full 17. I mean, we have like the sky's the limit for this guy and he's you're going to have to pay him as such. That is that is so true and something I think people often forget because it right now it's debate season, right? Everyone's comparing numbers, who's better than who, what rival team has the better whatever. And you look at CD Lamb and you're right. It may not be 50-50. It's probably not that aggressive, but there has been a, a, a sizable sample size here of 
games where it wasn't with Dak Prescott. I mean, the one that sticks to my mind initially is, you know, I was in New York for the Monday night game last year against the Giants. And, you know, would Cooper rush there? I mean, a big play. I know he dropped one, but then came back and made up for it. Like CeeDee Lamb is one of those guys that we talk about, and it's he's not to this level. It's kind of exaggerated, but Brandon Cooks made it work with, like, anybody, right? It could have been yeah. anybody throwing the football. CeeDee Lamb's not to that level, but he hasn't shied away from it, whether it's Cooper Rush, you know, whether it's Dak Prescott. And that, that's to say, like, that's the key. I made, I made a big, you know, proclamation last week. I think that Dak will play all 17 games this year because he just hasn't done it in some time. If that's the case, we could really see some bonkers offensive numbers, especially with Mike McCarthy at the helm. Yeah, and from all accounts, I mean, one thing, one amazing article that John wrote, in turn, he wrote about how the Cowboys offense is going to look this year, and we're definitely going to address it when he comes on. But one thing he talked about is what's happening in this offense is they're trying to simplify the reads. It's like they're trying to get Dak into like a one read, two read, nothing's there. Use your legs, Dak. You got legs. Scramble. So they're trying to simplify the offense, make it a quick read offense. Every single play that happens, CD Lamb's going to be one of those two reads. If he's 99% of the time, he's going to be the first read. So that means a lot of times Dak is going to be ball snapped within two seconds. Dak's looking to CD. If there's a window, he's getting it there. We're going to be, I'm, I'm very optimistic about CD Lamb season. I think we're, Last year was good. We're going to see an even bigger jump this year. I totally agree. And you, and you say the word simplify, and it's so true, right? But I want to make sure that like people listening understand it's not like I'm you know, teaching anybody anything here, but it's going to be simplified for the Cowboys offense. So it's easy reads for Dak. It's easy reads for the wide receivers to understand what they got to do, but they still are going to press this defense, and they're still going to put it on these defenders to make yeah. the right choices. It's just going to be easier and more clear-cut for these guys, and we saw it when when Dan Quinn came in and ran his defense. He knew he could get complex, but when he first got here, he's like, let's simplify this. I'd rather have it be almost elementary and have everybody be fast and know what they're doing. And I feel like Mike McCarthy has the ability. Remember they said 70% of this offense is still the same, but if they can master that other 30, who knows what this offense can look like? I really do think it could be exciting. Completely agree. And simplify, like I think we use the term simplify and everybody assumes it's like, Oh, Dak Prescott just couldn't handle Kellamore's offense. Like he, he clearly wasn't able to grasp all the complexities. That's why he struggled. No, that's not the reason they're simplifying things. If you look at Dak's games last year, when he was in his bag, when he was at his best, is when he was getting the ball out within within two seconds. It was snap, yeah. Dak's feeling confident, step up, gun the ball. He's throwing it into tight windows, but the ball's getting there. That was the games that he was excelling. The games where he started falling apart is when you saw him in the pocket, timid, taking three, four seconds to throw, sometimes scrambling outside. Dak isn't Mahomes, and I'm never going to argue he's Mahomes. He's not, like, improvising isn't his strong suit. But when he's standing in the pocket, making reads, that's when he's at his best, and that's what Mike McCarthy recognizes, and that's what he's going to orient this offense around in 2023. And you take it even a step further to kind of piggyback off that. This offense as a whole always seem to be better in that two minute, four minute offense where they're getting Amen. to the line. Yes. You know, it's so like when they got some tempo and they're playing with some rhythm, they just were able to march down the field on anybody with anybody out there. And, and I think with Mike McCarthy, the wrinkles he's going to provide the comfortability that him and Dak are going to have together to really put together a plan of attack that works for him and what his QB wants this this offense, man, it, I I know we talked about Kellen Moore being a top 10 offense every year. Like he was 
always in the upper echelon of offenses, but but the peaks and the valleys were so aggressive at times where it's like, man, we could put up 50 and then the next week we're getting skunked out and we're losing, you know, 10 to 10 to 15 or 10 to 16 or something like that. So I, if we could just find a way to to get rid of those teens and try to live in the 20s and then when we get excited, it's mid 30s to upper like lower 40s just find a little bit more steady middle ground. And I think that's what this Cowboys offense is going to look like this year. I think they're going to find more stability across the board. Yeah. And that was one thing that I, the Cowboys, at least in the last two playoff losses became very evident is yeah. I mean, you, they hung 50 points against Washington. They hung how 50 points against the Colts right now. Granted, that was a lot of defense stuff, but what were some other, I think that they had like one other 50 point game. They were hanging 50 points and then the next week they turn around and it would be like a game against the Niners and they put up or the Buccaneers in week one last year is three points. It's like, where, where's this offense? Where, where's right. the consistency of this offense? Like you said, we need to see out. I would sacrifice 20 points in a 52 to 14 win over the commanders. If it means that we can put up 20 or 24 or even like 21 against a team like the Niners, because with our defense, 21, 24, that's going to be enough to get it done more than likely. Right. And I think about that. Imagine a bad offensive outputting is 17 rather than a 10 or a 12. You know what I mean? Where yeah. you're losing like 17 points is nothing to write home about. But if that's like your floor, like you said, with this defense, you can win a game 17 to 13 and just call it a win and just get out of there. Right. And if that and so it, it'll be it'll be fun to see. It'll be interesting to see what it's going to look like. And um, speaking of that, I mean, we're going to get John Machota here in a minute and um I'm excited to ask him a lot of these questions because I because he's the guy, you know, he's somebody that we're going to be able to lean on with some of these insider conversations. And, you know, me and you can speculate, but he's the guy that's going to know. So let's kick it off. We'll get over to John Machota real quick and uh, we'll answer any questions that we may have here. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360 degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. All 
All right. Welcome back. Like I said, we have John Machota here to answer any Cowboys questions, you know, from the athletic uh, big time covering the Cowboys for a lot, a long time. If you're a Cowboys fan, you definitely know about John and all his work. Uh, John, we appreciate you being here with us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, man. So um, what are you kind of doing before we get started? Are you kind of enjoying a little bit of time off right now, too? Like, wh where's your head at? Where's your mind at? Um, I mean, not completely off right now yet. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm going to go back up. I'm originally from Michigan. I'm going to go back up there for about a week before going to training camp. So um, I'll probably get some vacation time coming up, but uh, not yet. I mean, there's still a couple things I'm working on, but it's pretty close to that time where I try and use as much of my vacation time now just because I almost never do uh, during the season. Maybe it's a day here or there, but I generally there's always something going on during the season that I don't want to, I don't want to miss. So uh, this is definitely the the slow point and, and I enjoy it. Yeah. We were talking about that. Me and Aiden ourselves, you're we just like, you know, we call it the slow point, but it never really feels like the slow point. If you don't allow yourself to get away from it a little bit, you can kind of get consumed. And then you're like, Oh my God, it's week one, you know? Yeah. Well, I'll say this. I mean, I feel that way a little bit. I didn't maybe the first four or five years I covered the team, but then, uh, like I'm sure most fans understand, uh, when, yeah, there's success. It's obviously more fun. So <laughs> I feel that way right now because there are certain points of the off season that are interesting to cover and things like that. But then there's other, then there's also the part of, well, it'd be nice to, for this team to finally, you know, get to a Super Bowl and see what it would be like coming off of that. Not just the entertaining part of covering the team, but just how much more interest there would be in the team. Um, because I do get the sense that there's a lot of people out there that are kind of like, you know, one foot in, one foot out. Like, yeah, I I, I want to believe back-to-back 12-win seasons, but I kind of got to see some more. I got to see some some wins in, in the postseason. And so I sense that from the fan base and deservedly so. I mean, it. the Dallas Cowboys are just, they're too big of a brand, too many resources. It should never have been this long uh, since they've been back to a Super Bowl. And you mentioned the way that the fans feel about the team. And it was cool because The Athletic just posted their annual uh, survey in terms of gauging the, how the fans feel. And there's two questions I wanted to ask you specifically that come off the survey. Number one is, what grade would you give this Cowboys offseason? And then also, how do you feel about the current state of the franchise? Two questions that were on the survey that I do want to know your thoughts. Yeah, so I would say uh, B-plus on this offseason um, you know, drafting a defensive tackle in the first round. I know that's not the sexiest of picks, but it's something this team really needed. And so uh, I really liked the Mozzie Smith pick. And I obviously really liked how aggressive they were during that one week where it was, you know, you trade for Gil Gilmore, trade for Cooks. It was like, whoa, okay. Well, that this shows that, yeah, they really, they really do feel like they're, they're close and they're knocking on the door. Um, I'd say the rest of the draft was kind of meh, you know, I mean, it's, could it be great? Sure. Could it be kind of boring? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, when you draft later in the first round, that means you're drafting later in all the rounds. And so, you know, it's not exactly the perfect, you know, you do all these mock drafts leading up to exactly what you think is going to happen. And so some of the players that you think would be a good fit, they don't draft, but at the same time, I know, and most people on the outside looking in know probably, 20% of about, you know, medicals and off the field issues. I mean, frankly, it should be that way. I mean, these teams are paying millions of dollars to do deep research on these guys. We're not doing that. You know, we're going off of college tape and things like that. But 
from all those moves, I'd give them probably about a B plus. And then going in the right direction, I think they are. I really do. I mean, I know there's a lot of people that have been negative about the way Dak finished the season, but I, I do think Dak is still a quarterback capable of winning a Super Bowl if you put the right pieces around him. And I certainly think they're heading in that direction. When I say put the pieces around him, I think a lot of people might take that as offensive line receivers and, and such. I'm talking about what they've done defensively to where it doesn't, he, I just don't. Yeah. Okay. Maybe Mahomes and and maybe a couple others, but most quarterbacks aren't going to be able to make it to a Super Bowl on just putting the team on their back. And so I think this team right now is where, is it's at defensively should be able to win them a game on their defense alone in the postseason if if everyone's relatively healthy and so I started covering the team in 2011. There, this is the only time I've ever been able to say that. So because of that, I do think they're heading in 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 the right direction because it's been too long for the defense to be finally to where it is right now. And so yeah, I don't I don't think that this offense is necessarily better than maybe 2014 or 2016, but I think the defense is light years ahead of those. And the fact they were able to keep Dan Quinn. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of positive there. Um, but yeah, I probably give about a B plus. You know, it's funny. I wanted to ask you this next question on an offensive lean, but the way you just answered that makes me want to talk about the team as a whole. So now that Mike McCarthy is kind of all hands on deck for this offense, do you see like a different feel or a different approach to this team now that's kind of Mike's back against the wall a little bit here? I mean, yeah. I mean, he has to know his back's against the wall. Um, you know, this is his second from last year of the current of his current contract. And uh, so you would think that they're going to have to have some improvement. I, I think as long as they get back to the playoffs and they have a chance, even if they fall short of getting the NFC championship game again, I still think Mike comes back for that fifth season. His fifth season in green Bay was the, was the year that they won the super bowl. And if they were to go double digit win seasons, three years in a row, I find it very hard to believe that Jerry Jones is going to say, all right, that's enough for Mike Dan Quinn. It's time for you to take over. I just, that doesn't seem like something Jerry would do when it's been so long since heck they had double digit win seasons in two years in a row. So because of that, but yeah, there's a lot of pressure on Mike. I mean, you got to have also some, some good luck in the health department. You know, I, I don't see them getting to double digit wins and, and going deep in the playoffs. If Dak suffers some major injury and, and uh, you know, or Micah Parsons and heck you can, might even be able to throw Tony part, uh, Tony Pollard in there just because of the fact that, where they are at running back. There just isn't anybody on his level if he was to go down. And so um, because of that, yeah, there's certainly pressure on Mike all around, but I do think this is the the best all around team. I thought last year was their best all around team. If they would have still had Amari Cooper from the time I've covered the team. Um, but since they didn't, I think it's, it was pretty close to where they were in 14 and 16, but this team, if they say relatively healthy, I think has the, has the best chance that the Cowboys have had in a long time. And I think you could make the argument they have the best chance since those nineties teams because of, and this is the most wide open. I think the NFC has been in my time watching football. So that would pretty much my time of watching football passionately probably correlates pretty much to when Jerry Jones bought the franchise. I was born in 82. So I'm not one of these people. I hate when like, it's, it's funny because it, it annoys me and it shouldn't, but like, it, it annoys me when they've drafted some players in the past and they've talked about how, well, I just always want to be with the cat. I love them. You know, the nineties and you don't remember that you're too younger. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's be real. Like, yeah, maybe your parents had it on the TV, but I don't know. I don't buy in anybody really vividly remembering anything from sports before the age of eight to 10. And so, um, but that was right in my wheelhouse is when, you know, I was growing up in Detroit, but that's right when the, the Cowboys were taken off. And I just really can't remember a time the NFC has been this wide open and there for the taking, like 
would anybody really be that shocked if like Philly took a little bit of a step back? I still think they're it's Philly, San Francisco, Dallas. It's those three and then everybody else. But there's nobody there, especially with Rodgers being gone, that you're just like, well, you're, you know, you're going to go through them and it'll be tough. So because of that, I mean, it's all there for him. It's all there for the taking. I want to stay on this Mike McCarthy um, piece we're talking about because you wrote an amazing article. And for any fan listening who hasn't read it, I highly encourage if you're wondering what the offense is going to look like next year, John did an amazing job covering of what it could potentially look like in your article. You mentioned one that really fascinated me was the fact that it seems like the emphasis is reducing Dax reads and trying to get more of a get the ball out quicker instead of making him go through his progressions. Um, So pair that with the Brian Schottenheimer hiring. Are we looking at a more conservative offense in 2023 or is it more are we still going to get to see a full air raid attack? It's just going to be a little bit simpler in the reads. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what's going on in the offensive line. I mean, if they're able to block, then you can do a lot more stuff off of it. But, you know, that's that's a huge question mark, that area, just because, you know, left guard, there's so many questions. What's going to happen there? Tyler Smith, is he going to be there? Is he going to be out at left tackle? Where's Tyron? How healthy is Terrence Steele? So if the offensive line is playing well, then I think you could still see them, you know, uh, putting up a lot of points in the passing game and that the way I understood from talking to people that understand the West coast offense professionally on a level that I don't when Mike McCarthy took over the play calling and talking to these people, it was a lot of, you know, maybe instead of having three, four or five reads on certain plays, it's hey, if this isn't here, this isn't here, then you, you scramble, get out of the pocket or throw the ball away which has not been something that Dak Prescott has done very much in his career. He usually fights uh, for any opportunity that's out there. And sometimes it works out really well. And sometimes it works out poorly, but he hasn't been one to really just, you know, there's times where Tom Brady just, there isn't something there. He just chucks it out of bounds or into the ground. That really hasn't been Dak. Maybe it is a little bit more as he gets older in the game. And, and, and then also the fact that, I mean, this is clearly the best defense that he's ever played with. And so there is a little bit more of that. Hey, you don't have to do everything right now. You know, even in 16, it's like, yeah, you're a rookie, but you got Zeke behind you. You know, we're going to lean heavily on the run game. You don't, you know, but ever since every year that goes by since then, there's more and more that's on his plate. And so because of how good this defense is, that maybe there won't be uh, with this team, but it was interesting at the end of minicamp when Brian Schottenheimer said it'd be, uh, I think he had put it at like 70% ish of, similar to what they had been doing. And, and that makes sense to me. The whole idea that Mike McCarthy's taking over play calling and he's hiring Schottenheimer and they're just going to go 100% West coast makes zero sense. This isn't high school. It's not <laughs> college. The, you know, the, the players aren't being recruited or signed, whatever to fit your system. Your system is to fit the players. And you have the longest tenured starting quarterback of any team in the NFL with Dak Prescott. Why would all of a sudden you just one off season change your offense completely when let's be honest, Kellen Moore's been building it so that it's as Dak friendly as possible. And so I think the biggest difference you're going to see is that Brandon Cooks adds some speed to it that really they've been lacking. And so with that, and then potentially how they get the ball to Turpin and Deuce Vaughn and maybe Tony Pollard in the passing game, maybe there's some quicker ways they get the ball out of Dak's hands like that. But the track record with Schottenheimer with Russell Wilson, those are some of Russell Wilson's best seasons. Um, Mike McCarthy, with Aaron Rodgers, with Brett Favre. He's had a lot of success with those guys, eliminating takeaways, things like that. And so um, I would be very surprised if Dak Prescott throws 12 to 15 interceptions again. I think he'll be back to what he was before, maybe 8 to 10, something like that. I do not see that number being as high as it was this past season.
I totally agree. And I kind of want to stay there with the Dak Prescott conversation because oftentimes it feels like the rhetoric about Dak Prescott's a little unfair. And so with that being said, do you feel like there's a sense here that this is like a prove it year for him? Some you mentioned about, you know, kind of limiting the interceptions, but is there some type of added pressure going into year seven? He's 30 years old or gonna be 30 years at the end of the month, where like, okay, maybe we need to find a way to get to that next level here. I'm sure for him it feels like maybe more pressure than usual, but I don't think there's any more pressure on him that than there is on any other starting franchise quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys going into any season where it's been this long since they've gotten to a Super Bowl. It doesn't matter who was their quarterback. I don't care if it's Quincy Carter, if he was the quarterback right now, Romo, Dak, whoever. Uh, you know, uh, if they... If they had a disaster of a like the worst disastrous season you could possibly ever had, and they had the first overall pick, and they drafted Caleb Williams, yeah, maybe not in Caleb Williams's first season, but two by year two or three, the pressure on Caleb Williams is going to be ridiculously higher than where where you know he'll probably end up with like Arizona or something like that. It's just going to be on a, because it's the Cowboys and it's been too long. So that Super Bowl thing. It's not even about Dak's numbers. I mean, everyone pretty much knows what Dak is at this point. It's just about winning those games and playing at your best in those big moments. I mean, he could get to a Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl and he throws one touchdown and throws no interceptions and throws for 245 yards and people, you know, he could be the MVP of the game and, you know, everyone will be thrilled because they won, they won the Super Bowl. So I, I don't know that there's any more pressure than there could be on any other quarterback in his, in his instance. But I, I will also say this, like if I'm him right now, yes, I'm feeling pressure to win with the Dallas Cowboys. It's, you know, for him, it's his childhood favorite team. He's been here. He's been through a lot. Of course he wants to win there, but I cannot believe that any quarterback of, of his talent level would, would look around and be like, I just don't get it done now. I just don't know what's going to happen. Um, I'm probably going to go to another team and they're going to back up another Brinks truck because I know the landscape of this league. And for the, my most hardcore hater, take a look around, get your head out of the sand. I'm a starting quarterback in this league. I, I, I'm in the upper half at, at the worst, even if you're the hardest, harshest of harsh critics, I'm in the upper half. Like I'm not going to be a backup anywhere. I'm getting another starting job somewhere else if this thing doesn't work out. So if, if I'm him in that sense, I'm not losing any sleep. But of course, yeah, he wants to win it with the Dallas Cowboys. And frankly, I don't see any way that Jerry Jones would go in another direction anyway at this point. There's a far greater chance, I say this all the time, that if they went in another direction, there's a far greater chance it gets back to those years of Drew Henson and Quincy and those guys than it would be, oh, we're just going to go from, we're going to go from Troy to Tony to Dak. Oh, oh, and then you're going to get another one after that? All right, good luck. Let's see. Let's see. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you a great one right now. Let, let's see. Let's see. You want to bet that Jordan Love is going to just keep that rolling in Green Bay? All right, because I don't think he is. So let's just <laughs> see. Hey, Green Bay, you love it. You know, you're just 30 years. It's just next one up. Okay, watch. Let's see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it's yeah, the hardest position in sports. I don't care what anybody's hardest position in sports. You're preaching to the choir. We have to remind a lot of fans that Patrick Mahomes is a once-in-generational guy, and he's not in every draft class. So I want to switch it more towards training camp because training camp is – slowly approaching so what camp battle do you think is going to have the most impact for this team it might not be the most interesting but is going to impact this team the most and we'll take out kicker for the purposes of this conversation yeah i mean defensively there's not a lot of battles i need to see there i mean i i pretty much 
know what they got at uh, safety is as good as it's been at any time I've covered the team. That's for sure. I, it's it's that's one of the most impressive things. I feel like the, the team's done in the last two or three years is how much they've flipped that safety position. So nothing there. Corners pretty cut and dry. I mean, linebacker, you'd like to see what happens behind, I think, Damone Clark and Leighton Vander Esch. So whether that's overshown or Jabril Cox, that's worth keeping an eye on. But the defensive line, I just think that they're, they got a lot of, a lot of bodies there. I don't, there's not anything that jumps out there for me. So it's got to be on offense. And and for me right now, left guard stands out. And then really that backup running back spot, because I think at tight end, you could throw that in there, but I think Ferguson will be all right early on. And, and, and maybe it takes Schoonmaker a little time to maybe get his feet underneath him. But even with like Hendershot and Sean McCune, like I think they'll be fine at tight end. And I think they'll be fine at backup running back. Backup running back to me is kind of like their kicker situation in the sense that, yeah, right now on paper it doesn't look great, but you can you can add something serviceable if you need to go out and sign something. You know, if you have to go out and get Leonard Fournette, you go get Leonard Fournette. If you have to go out and sign Robbie Gold or Mason Crosby, you do it. And are you gonna have the best kicker or the best backup running back going about it that way? No, but every team is not going to be perfect all throughout the left guard is the one that's interesting to me just because like all five have to like work together. And if you are putting your best five out and everybody's healthy, I do think Tyler Smith should play left guard this year, but how long does that last for, you know, how long are, is everyone able to stay healthy? So while I think he should start the season there, I I feel like at some point he's going to be playing left tackle this season. So I, I get the reason why you'd want to cross train him. And I'll tell you just the behind the scenes with him. I mean, it's so crazy they got him because he is just off the charts. Like he is such a, he's a good dude. I mean, just really open to whatever they throw on his plate. Nothing really seems like it's just too much for him. I mean, he just, honestly, they got lucky. I feel like in Tyler Smith, um, cause he's going to be here for a long time. And I think he can really play at high level at multiple positions. But my biggest question is what happens when he has to go out to left tackle, who is your left guard? You know, I mean, they've been throwing Farniak out there and Josh ball and, Chuma Adoga, who they signed, but I just, I'm going to have my eye on that spot just because someone has to emerge there because even if it isn't Tyler Smith, like they need more depth uh, on that interior, that offensive line. And frankly, like it's time for somebody like a Josh ball to step up, you know, or, or if it's Farniak or, or whoever, um, you know, so that, that one will be, that's probably at the top of my list. Yeah. And you had talked about the position battles, but I want to ask you about training camp and the roster. Like, is there anybody that we're not talking about? And maybe just, you know, the fans as a whole that maybe you're looking at and saying like, Hey, listen, this is a guy that the Cowboys fans are need to kind of look at because he might turn some heads once we get knocked on. Yeah. It's funny because if I was covering like the lions, I could probably roll, roll off five to 10 names, but I feel like with the Cowboys, everybody knows everybody for the, <laughs> not, I shouldn't say everybody, but most diehard Cowboys fans know everybody, but Sam Williams is one for me. I think Sam Williams could have a could have a really big year. Uh, Damone Clark is another one for me, uh, just because you know Damone Clark is kind of like Michael Gallup, and and you can throw him in that category too. Where not only are they coming off of these injuries where they needed surgery, but those are their first injuries of their career. You know, a lot of people you know can play a long time and never have like a major injury and sit there and be like, oh yeah, I never had an issue, so it wasn't a big deal. But to overcome stuff like that. I think Damone Clark now having a full off season and he's going to get every opportunity to play a ton. And so I think that he could be a guy to watch. And then Sam Williams, just because the talent is there, you know, and again, for him, same thing as, as Damone, it's like, you got your full off season, you know, what's asked of you, you know, what your job is, you know, what Dan Quinn wants of you. And I just think there's a lot of talent there. So those two on defense for sure. And then, um, 
And then on offense, it, it, it probably is Gallup because I think a lot of people have written him off and I think he has a chance to where, you know, he really needed to be a good number two last year. And, and obviously he didn't perform like that. And now this year, I think he could rebound and perform like a good number two, be like that guy that he was before a thousand yards, maybe six or seven touchdowns. But I think most people going into camp are looking at like almost cooks is, well, it's going to be cooks and CD, you know, and, and then if whatever he shows up and does, that could be a bonus. But I do think that all three of those receivers have a chance to, to put up, you know, a big year. So I would like to say Jalen Tolbert too, but I, I just need to see more, you know, I need to see him be, you know, really sound, uh, you know, just in his assignments and things like that. So that, you know, that's another position, just whoever that, uh, who's going to be that number four receiver, whether it's Jalen or Simi Fajoko or, you know, maybe it's somebody we're not even talking about. Maybe it's somebody like, you know, how Dennis Houston last year made the team, you know, but that, that number four receiver spot is, is kind of a question mark. I I do want to ask you about that wide receiver four spot because you mentioned Jalen Tolbert's name and Jalen Tolbert's been a name that seems like has gotten a lot of positive press, especially through OTAs, seems to have developed pretty well going into year two, kind of in an article you wrote, seems to have taken responsibility for year one, recognizes that it wasn't it wasn't what fans expected of him. Do you think that the possible like should fans not be lowering their expectations for Jalen Tolbert? Should we still potentially expect that wide receiver four evolving into a wide receiver three type of guy from Jalen Tolbert? Yeah, absolutely. I think the jump from like a South Alabama to the NFL was probably a lot for him. And then the fact that, I mean, Mike McCarthy is, has always been one of those guys that he wants all of his receivers playing every, every spot. Whereas maybe on some other teams, Jalen Tolbert could have come in and just played one spot and been like the, you know, fifth receiver or something like that. Whereas they wanted it. They threw a lot at him and, and he admitted that, you know, that was probably too much. It made him think too much, you know, and obviously you go back to, I think that the play that probably stands out from his rookie year is really him lining up off sides in green Bay and just how big that was. And you just, you can't have that, you know, it's one thing to, to run the wrong route or, or, you know, be unsure of yourself and drop a ball. But I mean, when you're just lining up off sides, that's the type of stuff that you got to get down in, you know, freshman year of high school. And so you could tell that it was probably adding up with him. And so, you know, he's done the right things. He's saying all the right things. He's spending a ton of time with Dak and, and that's all important. Um, so, and then frankly, just the way the NFL is nowadays, I mean, you got to have four or five good receivers, you know, so he's going to get opportunities. So it's about kind of what he does with them. The other thing is with him is he's going to get a lot of, a lot of work in the preseason games and, and he needs that. And so that'll be a good, you know, kind of an opportunity for him to build some confidence, you know, maybe he gets a couple good games and maybe gives him some confidence going into, into the regular season. But I also say that with, I mean, just look at last year, uh, that number four wide receiver, especially for where the Cowboys are right now. That's another one of those that you can go get somebody, you know, it's one thing when you were trying to get T Y Hilton and then Odell, where you were like, we need you to come in and be an immediate impact guy. You can go get a veteran to be your fourth receiver week four or five. If you're just like, Hey, it just ain't happening with Tolbert right now. We can't, I need somebody good here that we can count on. There'll be, there'll be players out there. Absolutely. And, you know, last question before we get get you out of here, we appreciate your time. Um, I would be remiss if we didn't bring up C.D. Lamb and, uh, you know, with the contract and all the stuff that's been circulating around him this offseason. I know you wrote a piece discussing the situation, but could you touch upon where things currently stand or how you think will play out leading up to camp? So. I do think CD automatically, I mean, eventually gets signed. The The thing is like, when will it happen? I, I think Jerry would love for it to happen at training camp. Jerry likes that stuff when like, you know, every, all the media is there and things like that during camp, there's a lot of hype going into the new season. 
it would not surprise me if something got done there. But yeah, no, I said that the deal will probably be something between 25 to 30 million per season. And that's because of where the market keeps going at wide receiver. I mean, we haven't even seen what Justin Jefferson is going to sign for. I would imagine he gets 31 plus per season just because of where he's at and CD obviously in the same draft class. And, you know, I look at that AJ Brown deal that the Eagles gave him and that's four years, hundred million dollars, $25 million a year. I just would be very surprised if CD lamb's agent would be willing to accept less than that. Um, some people might think AJ Brown's better. That's fine. Even if you think that you, you cannot think that it's a significant difference, even if you think that. And so when you're the next guy up, you're not going to take a little bit less. I mean, that's just, that's not going to happen. And so the thing that's really stands out with me with CD is that uh, just every year, I feel like he gets better and better. And so because of that and where he's at in his career, I just don't see a way that he doesn't resign with the Cowboys at and and be one being paid like one of the top five to 10 receivers in the league. You know, I mean, Jerry had him take 88 for a reason. Jerry loves his wide receivers. I just don't see any way that that, that, that doesn't get done. You know, I, and, and I'm honestly like, and, my, and something I wrote for the athletic about a month ago was like ranking how I think that they need to get done. And I had Dak at number one, just because so much else falls into place if they get that deal done, but you could easily, I had CD at two, but you could easily have CD at one. I mean, it makes sense to get that deal done and, and get him signed and, and lock him up with Dak for, you know, the next four to five years. That that's just where this game is going. That's not the type of commitment like they made to Zeke where you're like, yeah, well, the game's changing. I don't know if you need to be paying a running back like that. The wide receiver position, it just it's just the value keeps going up and up because the way the game keeps changing. I, I just can't I can't see a way that they would let him out the door of just because what he's accomplished so far and the fact that I don't think he's reached his ceiling and I don't I don't believe they feel that way either. I totally agree. I mean, it like you said, it's it's CD Lamb's got to get done. It's it's been a fun off season. You know, it's parlaying it. Like you said, it's gonna be here before we know it. Oxnard, California, the Cowboys. It's never um never a dull moment for a lack of a better term there. But um, John, we do really appreciate your time coming on here with us here at the First and Ten Podcast. So um, I thank you, and uh, um, hopefully we can touch base later on in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. The only thing I was going to add on that is um, just how silly the Cowboys would look if they didn't get that deal done because right. of just off season after off season after off season of them not signing anyone else and talking about how, well, that's because we need to take care of our own. I mean, I don't know. There's not many people. I mean, Micah Parsons is clear. Number one, you, you, you give him whatever, whatever the highest paid defensive player at that time, as long as he keeps performing, that's cut and dry. CD is not on the level of Micah, but he's on that next tier of where like, well, you got to get that done. I mean, yeah, of course, if he's asking for $35 million a year, or, you know, whatever, you're not going to do that. But if it's within that reason of those top five to 10 receivers, I, I don't, I, it would be silly for the Cowboys not to get that done. I agree. A superstar on the rise. You got to lock those up, especially when they preach the fact that they like to take care of their own. And when you kind of get one of those guys there, pick 17, you got to get to lock them up for the future. So I appreciate it, John. Uh, Aiden, any last thoughts before we let him go? I just appreciate your time, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me, I guess. Appreciate it, John. Take care. All right. That was John Machota from the Athletic Cowboys Insider. Um, there's a lot of good information there. Honestly, that was, I mean, we have a lot of great, we've had a lot of great guests. I think John Machota was right up there with the top. Um, not to pick favorites, but man, he gave us a lot of information, Aiden. What was your initial thoughts from talking with him? Yeah, I mean, like you said it, I'm just to give you a peek behind the curtain, I don't love hearing my own voice, so I don't 
often re-listen to episodes, but that's going to be one episode that I'm like, I'm sincerely just going to sit down, headphones on, probably turn off the lights and just sit and listen to the interview because I feel like every five seconds he gave us a new piece of information. John was an excellent guest to have on. Absolutely. Like it's it's one thing because like we had for a peek behind the curtain, we had talked to him, say, you know, like 15, 20 minutes of your time. You know, it's the summer. Like we don't want to really take up too much of your time. But like he was, you know, he gave us everything and more that we asked for. Like he was able. I mean, I think we talked to him for like 30, 35 minutes. So I think that was really fun. You can tell he enjoys going on these podcasts. And for somebody who's been covering the team since 2011, like you said, to hop on a podcast with us, some guys who are like. You know, we do it for fun. We hope to maybe get to his position someday. It depends on what the goals are. But just for us to be able to do that with a guy of that pedigree, it was awesome. And the and the information he gave us about because think about it, we got him at a good time. Like the CD Lamb conversation yep. is rampant across national news right now. That started from John Mashoda's article. Like we we got a really good time to get him on the pod. And um, I mean, like you said, to, to come back on that and listen to it, there was a lot of good information. If you guys tap in and listen to that, I think we're all going to be a lot more educated about this team heading to camp than we were probably an hour ago. Yeah, and I don't want to, I don't love doing victory laps, but before we recorded the pod, we did record the intro before we talked to John. I did say that Justin Jefferson was probably going to get 31, 32 million. I think the number that John threw out was 31 million. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give myself a nice little pat on the back for that. Yep. Yeah, that, I, you're right. I mean, it's one of those things where um, you're on the money. I think that's, I think fans and people like us who like, you know, this isn't our full time job, the fan base, not just us, just the people that listen to us and the listeners and people on Twitter and the Cowboys Nation, like they deserve some credit, like uh, more so than ever. People know what's going on with this team. People understand the NFL and you don't have to play it and you don't have to be a big time star to like understand like what's going on. So we should give ourselves some credit that like a guy like John Machota can say things and be like, yeah, that's kind of in line with what we think. And that was really fun, really fun conversation with John there. Yeah, I completely agree. And the what was your quick question just for you? What was your what do you think was the most interesting thing I said, which is going to be tough because he gave us so much good bits of information but what what do you think was the most interesting to you you know i think the the conversation he had or just talking about um how he feels about the roster construction was fun like we're not at a spot now where desperation like you said you don't need to go and get the ty's or you know to go and wine and dine odell beckham there's enough talent here that like if we figure out tolbert ain't the answer at, at the fourth guy we can wait till week four or five to go and get somebody to come in and be productive. Like running back, go and get a Leonard Fournette or somebody to come in and just be a stopgap for the year. Like that's all you need just right now. And I think that says a lot about what this team has done over the last few years. And I didn't get to say like, or I mean, everyone we've talked about it, Mike McCarthy, you know, 24 and 10 over the last two years. And he's in a little different situation that comes with the territory. And for him to kind of understand like, Hey, it's a different world in Dallas. And to kind of to hear that sentiment echoed, it's, it was definitely interesting. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that, I mean, John, if you listen to he, the entire interview, seems like he, very level-headed. He knows he's not getting too high, but he also is realistic that, yes, like he, as he mentioned, this is the best Cowboys defense we've seen in a very long time. As we talked about before the podcast or before the interview started, this offense doesn't need to be great. So I think he just came at it with a very logical approach but also one that it's realistic to say that this Cowboys team is very good and there is reason to be hopeful for this season 
Totally agree, man. I'm excited. So for everybody who got a chance to listen to this, um, this will come out on your 4th of July weekend, Monday, July 3rd. Um, if you're listening to this around, you know, some fireworks or the grill, we appreciate you guys tuning in. If you wouldn't mind liking, subscribing, writing a review, those things help us. They go a long way. We appreciate it. And um, let us be the first, maybe the last to wish everybody a happy 4th of July. Stay safe. Have fun with your family. And before I kind of wrap this up, any last thoughts, Aiden? I'm just disappointed July 4th didn't fall on a Monday. I know. So we could have the perfect, yeah, every <laughs> hall. Yeah, you're messing up our vibe calendar. Listen, I think we had it last year, though. I think we were on the 4th of July last year. So you can't That's win right. them all here. But <laughs> from the First and 10 podcast brought to you by Blog and the Boys, powered by SB Nation, that is another episode here. We'll catch you guys next week, and we'll be one week closer to, to the season, to training camp, and uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Peace.